Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the show. Jeez, it's been a tight, uncompromising, thrilling run in the NBL, and it's coming up to an Exciting climax with the spots uh, in the playoffs still up for grabs. Uh, this weekend, too, we've got, oh, this week we've got the inaugural champion Pride Round, which begins uh, tomorrow night when the Phoenix take on Cairns. And uh, NBL Commissioner Jeremy Loliga has been good enough to join us to talk about that and a heap of other issues in the game. G'day, Jeremy. G'day, Julian. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. When did the idea of a champion Pride Round first get I guess, thrown up, discussed, and, and what sort of correspondence, correspondence have you had with your clubs in the build-up? Yeah, it was probably probably a good four months ago, I'd say, that it was first being discussed, and then um, it was first made known to, to players around the, um, the time of the pre-season blitz up in Darwin. So it's been a really good consultative process between ourselves, clubs, uh, the ADPA, the Players Association, and Pride in Sport, uh, of, of whom we are a member. Um, and there's been an extensive training process going on in the lead-up to Pride Round and giving everyone the opportunity to understand why this is important to us, uh, why it's important to community, um, ask questions without any judgment, um, and to continue to, I guess, share and express the message that we know basketball is a very inclusive sport. We want people to be aware that the NBL is a very inclusive uh, league and... um, this is all about us making sure that everyone's aware that everyone is welcome to be who they are and open about it, and we are welcoming of you. And we've seen that, of course, with Isaac Humphreys uh, late last year. But just so when it was first floated, was there any reservations mm. thrown up? Because it does appear there's some Cairns Taipans players that have, you know, spoken to management. They're a bit hesitant to wear the uh, Pride yeah. Round Rainbow logo. Was there anything when it was first floated, yeah. any hesitancy from yeah. anyone? Yeah, there, there were certainly questions about what expectations were going to be and what exactly this was going to mean for players and what it was going to mean as a league. And so, so let me be very clear. We're not mandating that anyone has to do anything um, during Pride Round. We're not trying to force our opinions or views on anyone else. We're, we're saying this is the league's view, um, that we are an inclusive uh, workplace, that we are an inclusive community. Um, but it's the great thing about living in Australia is that everyone is entitled to their opinions. And so we're inviting um, all players to, to wear a special logo on their uniform for Pride Round, but we're not mandating that anyone has to do so. Um, we support any, everyone's opinion and everyone's right to have an opinion. Um, and we're encouraging of people to continue to ask questions, understand issues and topics, and how our view reconciles with their view is a perfectly valid part of that dialogue. So um, there have been some uh, questions along the way, and most of them have been really sensible and interesting questions that have led to ongoing dialogue, which is kind of the point. Do you worry, though, if, you know, say a few Cairns players choose not to wear it and it's not, you know, blowing up like it did in the NRL with Manly and we've seen it, a, a couple of issues around AFLW as well, does it does it take away from the message you're trying to share if, if people are focusing on a few players that might not get involved, for the want of a better term? 
Oh, look, if, if that's where people choose to focus their attention, then I do think it could detract from the message. But I think we're talking about uh, a small number of players um, out of a, a large number of players who are very supportive. And I think that's the principal point that we should be taking from this is that there's been a great spirit um, of wanting to be engaged uh, and wanting to understand more. And I think if, if the single biggest takeaway from this is that every player and staff member was afforded the opportunity to undertake more training in this regard and understand the issues better and then make their own decisions in relation to those issues, that's a positive thing to take away from it. Um, we're, we're still taking baby steps. This is our first Pride Round. I hope it's the first of many. Um, and if this was a starting point and we can continue to have those conversations this time of the year, every year, then so be it. I think that's a great outcome. Has there been any discussions around the NBL about Australia Day. We've seen, you know, Ash Gardner, Australian women's cricketer, has made her thoughts uh, well known. She's disappointed the Australian women's cricket team uh, is playing on Australia Day. Um, we've seen, uh, you know, other issues as well. The Australian Open's not sort of recognising Australian Open, uh, um, Australia Day. They're just calling it the 26th of January. You've got a, you've got a game on Australia Day. Has is, is that been discussed at all about whether you should be playing on Australia Day or at least when you're playing, recognising it as Australia Day? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a subject of, of conversation. Um, look, we we understand that it's a day that, that marks an uh, equitable history um, and for some a loss of freedom. And, and it's a very difficult day for many, uh, not just First Nations people, but many people around the country as they continue to understand the, the subject matter more. Um, it, it's a day that causes them anxiety and, and upset. So... Um, we think it's important to acknowledge uh, our past, um, but we don't think it's necessarily about the 26th of January. Maybe there's some other occasion on which we uh, acknowledge and celebrate all of the things that are fantastic about our country. Um, and at the same time, on the, on the 26th of January, we reflect upon the nation's history. Um, we try and understand uh, everyone's position in relation to that history. Um, but we maybe find other opportunities to celebrate what it is that we love about Australia collectively. But obviously we, we have our own reconciliation action plan. Um, we're very um, mindful of continuing to do more in terms of our reconciliation with, with First Nations people. And so I think it's sensible for ourselves and other sporting codes around the country to reflect very carefully on, on what it is exactly Australia Day marks for different members of our community. Jeremy, Larry Kesselman, when he asks questions, he normally gets a yes. Um, Brody James, <laughs> what, what chance he can get Brody James to Australia or what chance the NBL can get Brody to come and play here? Yeah, it's a good question. It's one that we, we've asked a lot of people whether or not he might have interest. Um, he's certainly a talented player and he's got a bit of pedigree, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Also got a, yeah. He's also got a pretty tight affinity with a number of U.S. colleges, and um, uh, you know we, we know that he's done a number of visits with some very big schools over there. Um, we've we've certainly reached out to have the conversation. It wouldn't surprise me if he ended up somewhere like uh, Oregon, um, which happens to coincide with where Nike headquarters are based, and it's a big it's a big Nike school. And rumor has it that his father has something to do with Nike these days. So. Uh, <laughs> Um, it, you know, there are synergies there that I think would be very difficult to untangle. Um, but at the same time, Brony, if you're listening, <laughs> we, 
we're here, mate. We'll find a spot for you. Yeah, we'll find a spot. He'll be listening on the SEN app. I've got no doubt about that. Uh, Jeremy, it's been an amazing season and and the best is yet to come. So tight, this race for the playoff spots. It's interesting... Uh, excuse me, time of the season with John Kane Arena not available. You've got Australian Open on. You're competing with the Big Bash. I'm not sure what the television ratings are saying, but the, the numbers in the stadiums, you know, Sydney, 14,000 the other day, sellouts in a lot of places. Um, it, it's going beautifully at the moment at a really, I guess, competitive time in the Australian sporting calendar. Yeah, we're very, very pleased. You're right that numbers in venue have been... They've been quite staggering. I think Adelaide sold out their past four games, but in each one of those four games, they broke their all-time attendance record one after the other. And and I think the way that that happens is sometimes there are season ticket holders who who count officially as a ticket that has been sold, but perhaps for one reason or another can't attend a game. Well, even the members now have been encouraged to get along to every single game because those tickets are in hot demand. And so they've broken their all-time attendance record four consecutive games, which I think is very, very cool. Um, you, you noted the Sydney crowd the other night, which was huge. Perth numbers are picking up again. We saw a little bit of a, um, a drop-off in Perth numbers for a short time there. But that team is starting to click at the right time of year, as they have a, a very scary tendency to do. Um, and you see the Red Army coming back out in force. It is a shame not to have John Kane Arena at the moment because I'm sure we'd be packing those out at the moment as well with both Melbourne United and South East Melbourne hitting a pretty rich vein of form as well. So couldn't be happier. And the TV numbers are also reflecting that. I'm pleased to report we've had a really big uptick in ratings. If you... We asked this question uh, the other day to Nick Trulson. In the future, say, you know, for a, a big playoff game involving either United or Phoenix if the, or they were playing each other, for example, in a big game, you know, whether it's a playoff game or not. Can you see a day where we do get a game back at Rod Laver Arena? Yeah, yes and no. Um, you, it's a, I can certainly see the discussion taking place. In fact, we've had the discussion with Melbourne Olympic Parks Trust before. You do get that additional capacity in there. There's a question mark over whether or not the experience is actually better in John Kane Arena. Um, there's a little bit more flexibility with the venue there, particularly with people down closer to the court. Um, so it's six of one, half a dozen of the other in terms of whether or not you want to open it up to more people to get in and enjoy the experience or whether or not you make the most of the experience for the people who are there. But certainly the crowd numbers would be significant enough to warrant the conversation and if the venue was available, um, it, it's certainly an interesting topic. It, there's also a lot of bump in and bump out. So going into Rod Labor when it's not accustomed to having basketball on a, a week-in, week-out basis is a, a very significant effort as well. So you need quite a long period of venue availability is my understanding. And first year of the play-in tournament, uh, you couldn't have timed it any better, the introduction, given uh, third, fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh are basically on the same amount of wins, apart from, you know, Wildcats have played one less, but the Breakers, Jack Jumpers, Phoenix and United all on 14 wins. So if you're going to have a play-in and get it down to the wire, it's the perfect scenario. We got pretty lucky, didn't we? (laughs) I will claim that it was by design, but there's a fair element of... Go on, claim it. Yeah, claim it, okay. Um, So I think it's great. We always talked about the fact that we wanted more cities to remain in the hunt for longer rather than we, we often get asked the question why not extend the number of games in the semi-finals or the final series we still live in relatively small cities and so asking 
uh, asking the same people to turn up to three games or five games of basketball in a relatively, or four games rather, in a relatively short amount of time is a big art if you were extend to semi-finals to five or the finals to seven. But keeping more cities in the race for that little bit longer and giving more people the opportunity to experience play-in or play-off basketball, um, I think it's played off really well. And I think the, the, the level of the competition now is such that it just makes so much sense because ordinarily those top eight teams, you could throw a blanket over them. Just claim it because if you don't, Heath O'Loughlin will. So make sure you claim it as your idea, Jeremy. Got it. It was all me. <laughs> hey, Jeremy, thanks so much for your time. Uh, good luck with the inaugural uh, Pride round. And it's uh, going to be a thrilling uh, season, uh, finish to the season. Uh, we can't wait. Uh, thanks again for your time. Good on you. Thanks very much, Julian.